Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Shadows. They're fascinating, aren't they? We've all seen them portrayed as many things, spooky, foreboding, indicating that something typically bad is about to happen, yet the Bible paints a different picture of shadows as they relate to God. One of the most comforting passages of Scripture actually highlights how we have a great shadow under the wings of God to find rest in. It's as if it's saying, this is the best place to be when times are hard, to hide yourself in the shadows of God's wings like a bird nestles its chicks in her feathers so God wants to hide us in His love and know His comfort in times of trouble. So how do we experience that in our own lives? That's what we're taking a closer look at in our current series, The Shadow of the Almighty. Let's continue the Upward Journey. Good morning, Upward family. Everybody that's here today gets a t-shirt that says, I survived the blizzard of 23. You get that today. We're getting it out. Thank you for braving blizzard conditions to get here today. I battled my way through the snow this morning, sliding all over the road, said I'm going to make it to church today. So thanks for being here today. We are loving going through Psalm 91. It is a psalm of refuge, a psalm of comfort. It is one of the most memorized psalms in all of the Scripture. It is one of the most quoted psalms in all the Scripture. This one might surprise you. Did you know that even the devil memorized Psalm 91? He quotes it in the New Testament when he's tempting Jesus. The devil quotes Psalm 91, and we'll talk about that a little later in the series. Today we're going to talk a little bit about falling into traps. Have you ever fallen into a trap? Anybody just fallen into a trap? When I was a kid, I had a funny story. When I was a kid, I spent a good amount of time at Cape Hatteras fishing, and I love that place, one of the most beautiful places on earth, and I love to go there. Uh, but we would go down a couple weeks a year and just spend time just fishing the whole time. We would be out in the sound fishing all day, and then we would go out and at the point, and we would fish from the surf through half the night, and I just love that. that. That's a vacation to me right there. So one night, I'm about 12 years old, we're out surf fishing, it's really dark, and the fish weren't biting, so I got bored, and I decided I'm going to walk down the beach in the dark a little bit, and I just walked down in the dark, and I had a little shovel, and the thought occurred to me, why don't you dig a hole that you can get down in and get out of the wind? Kids do those types of things. So I had a little shovel, so I dug a hole that was big enough for me to get down in and completely hide, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I could get down uh, from the wind, you know, and just hide there for a little bit, and that entertained me for about six minutes maybe, and I decided to abandon the hole and go back and fish with the guys. I never thought that I probably should put the sand back in and cover the hole up. So about an hour later, we're fishing, and one of our friends, he's an older man, I, <laughs> I hate to tell this, but I hate to laugh, but uh, he'd gone off for a bathroom break, and he came back, and he was covered with sand. His hair had sand, his jacket had sand all over him, you know, he was, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to get tickled up here, his name was Dave, and I said, Dave, what happened? He said, some expletive has been digging holes in the beach. <laughs> And I said, that's terrible. Who would do such a thing? You see, uh, 12 years old, I, I hadn't fully uh, reformed my ways yet. I never, ever confessed to that sin. He fell into my trap. That's funny. Life's full of traps, I'm just telling you. Life's full of traps. What we're going to find out in this psalm is you have an enemy who is ahead of you setting traps for you to try to get you to fall into. And all of us have fallen into traps. 
All of us will probably fall into a few more if we're just being real about it. I mean, it's nice to think that we'll never fall into a trap again. But reality is that we're still human even though Jesus loves us and saved us. And we'll probably fall into a couple more things. You know what it's like to fall into a trap. Maybe you tried a substance. Somebody said, here, try this. And it felt good in the moment. Then all of a sudden you found yourself in a trap of an addiction that you just couldn't get out of no matter how hard you tried. And I know that's the experience for many of us here. And so many of you have been set free from addictions and I'm so thankful for that. That's a trap. Maybe it was a relationship that you really thought this was the answer and this was going to be a good thing. Anytime you get in a relationship looking for somebody to complete you, you've started off kind of wrong because you've it's a whole other sermon, but you want to be complete in Christ and join with another person who is, by the way. And uh, maybe you got in a relationship like that and you found out who they really were and then you felt trapped in that. There's all kind of traps that we fall into in our lives and they've been planted there very strategically by an enemy who wants to destroy you. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you have an enemy going ahead of you trying to lay traps and snares for you that you might fall into. Jesus finished that verse by saying this, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So he gives us the solution to this enemy who's calculating to destroy us. He said, I'm here to give life. Psalm 91 tells us so much about falling into traps and getting out of traps. It's very powerful. The psalm begins in verse 1 with what we call the theological assertion. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A theological assertion, a foundation that the psalmist lays that he builds the rest of this psalm on. And it's so true and so beautiful and so wonderful that we can dwell in the secret place of God and abide under the shadow of El Shaddai, the Almighty, and live in that. Then he moves from a theological assertion to a personal declaration in verse 2 when he says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. In verse 3 and in verse 4, he moves to a public proclamation where he now is talking to the audience. He's talking directly to us today and showing us how we can live in the victory of Psalm 91. We're going to look today at two verses Uh, Psalm 91, 3 and 4, the psalmist writes this. Read it with me. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. I want to look at the first part of that uh, passage today. It says this. Surely he shall deliver you. I want you to take that to the bank today. Surely he shall deliver you. Can anybody just rest in that today? Can anyone here just claim that as a promise over your life today? That word surely means assuredly, certainly. In other words, it's going to happen You might be in the middle of a trial right now and you just can't see the end of it. Remember the word, surely he shall deliver you. 
You might be dealing with a battle right now that's bigger than you are and you're trying really hard to figure it out and how to navigate this storm. I want you to remember if you're a Christian, you've gotten in the boat with Jesus Christ and he's in a boat with you and one day he will stand up and he will say, peace be still and your storm is going to dissipate and you're going to walk in peace. Can I get an amen? Surely he shall deliver you. That is the assurance of the deliverance that is coming. Then let me read it a different way. Surely he shall deliver you. Everybody say he. Not me. I am so glad it says he and not me. Because if it's dependent on me to deliver me, I'm in trouble. If you're dependent on me to deliver you, you're in trouble. I'm just a man. He shall deliver you. You realize this? You can try to figure out your storm. You can try to strategize all you want about it. And some of that is good. Figuring out how to navigate some things is a good thing with godly wisdom. But you and I need to remember this as we sail through the storms of life. That it's God that sets us free. It's God that delivers us. It's God who is our hope and strength. Not you and me. You ever hear people and they're Christians, but they talk like they save themselves. They'll say, the day when I, when I straighten my life out, I'll hear Christians say that, day I got my life straightened out, don't use that kind of language. Because what that says to people out in the world is, you've got to straighten yourself out to come to Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. When I came to Jesus, I was a mess. Surely he shall deliver you. I hear people say this, and I laugh about this one a lot. When I found Jesus, I tell people all the time, Jesus has never been lost. You did not find him. In fact, the truth of it is this. You and I weren't even looking for him. He found us in our lost, broken state, and he picked us up, and he changed our lives. I want you to remember when you read this verse, surely he shall deliver you, and surely he shall deliver you, not you. You're waiting on to figure this out. Some of you, God's just going to come into your life and he's going to solve your problem in a way that can only be him. I'm telling you that. That's not in my notes this morning. It came into my heart right up here. God's going to move on your behalf and he's going to do something in your situation that only he can do. So when you look back at it, you're going to say, that wasn't me. You're not going to say, that's upward. You're certainly not going to say, Pastor Andy did this for me. You're going to look back and say, God moved on my behalf. In fact, some of you have been praying. You've been saying, God, please do something. Anybody? God, please do something. Please do something. And you've just been waiting to see God do something. God's going to move on your behalf because the Scripture says, Surely he shall deliver you. Now, I love two things that he promises to deliver us from. First of all, it says he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. What does that mean? A fowler was an ancient, it was a job, and we know this was an actual thing because fowlers are depicted in the Egyptian tombs. There are drawings of them there, and you can see that they were even in ancient Egypt. They were people who caught and sold birds for a living. They caught and sold birds for food, And in Israel, birds were required again and again and again for sacrifice. They needed a lot of birds for their sacrifices. So that was a job to go and catch birds. They would uh, go and uh, lay a net, and they would camouflage the net. 
And they would put bait in the net to try to trap a bird. So a bird's going along its merry way, and then it sees something that says, Oh, that looks good. Have you ever been going along your merry way and all of a sudden see something that looks really good? Be careful. Can I get an amen? Could be a trap. Can I just get down to where we live? Have you ever been at work and seen a person of the opposite sex that weren't your spouse? Wasn't your spouse? Weren't your spouse. Please erase that. (laughs) My grammar's bad, but it's not that bad. You ever seen a person that wasn't your spouse? Though they look good. That's a trap. Amen. Oh, me. That's a trap. See something that calls out to you and you just can't seem to get away from it and it says, come, come, come. It could be a trap. That's how the fowler operates. He knows how to bait the hook. I guess we're talking a lot about fishing today, aren't we? He knows how to make that bait look attractive. And he also knows how to camouflage the net. That's what a fowler did. Make this look like something you want to get in on. But what you don't see is there's a net that's going to come around you and trap you. I just wonder this morning, and I believe God is warning somebody this morning, saying what you're looking at right now, caution. Some of you may be looking at a trap, and you know today that that's not what you ought to do. Hear the word of the Lord today. Avoid the snare of the fowler. Avoid the net. Don't run to everything that looks good because it may have a hook in it. Here's the deal, though. We fall into them sometimes. When it says deliver you from the snare of the fowler, it means two things. Number one, he can steer you around the snare. And that's the best thing right there. Best thing for you is not to fall in it. But deliver also means when you do get caught in it, he can set you free from the snare of the fowler. I'm so thankful for that. I am so dependent on the grace of God in my life, and I know you are too. There are times I get caught in stuff, and I'm like, Lord, come save me. Lord, come set me free. And he always does. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Here's the deal. God, we, we don't see the snares a lot of times. Do you know God goes ahead of you, setting you free from things you don't even see? God has protected you in ways you don't even know about. I've been driving down the road before and gotten in a delay. You ever gotten in a delay? You ever got behind a slow driver? And it's normally when I'm in a hurry. I guess I notice it more. I'm behind this pokey little puppy. And I got to be somewhere because my business is more important than anybody else's. That's me and everybody else on 26 right now. It's all of us. Move out of my way. I got somewhere to be. And I've often had this thought. God may be slowing you down to protect you from something up there. The Bible said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. He guides us. He sets you free from things you don't even know about. 
He's protected you from snares you can't even see. That's why it's important to walk with Him. It's important to hear from Him. It's important to rest in Him. So He sets us free, number one, from the snare of the fowler. Then it says He sets us free from the perilous pestilence. You know what that means? God is a healer. I believe God wants to walk, us to walk in health and in wholeness. Can I get an amen? I love what it says. I'm challenged by this. The nation of Israel wandered through the wilderness for many, many years. And they came through and God kept them healthy. God kept their clothes from wearing out. You know, they wandered around. And they wandered around longer than they needed to because they didn't believe in God. And God still touched them in a mighty way. I believe God wants Christians to be healthy people. And oh, I'm challenged on that. God wants us to eat good things and to move around. Can I get an amen? Not as many today. God wants us to eat good things and move around. Amen. But God still heals sick people. God still heals sick people. I believe that with all my heart. I know it. I've seen it. Can I give you a testimony? Would you like to hear a testimony? Last Sunday, you know how we have the deacons come up and pray in either corner? Last Sunday after the 1130 service, a young man came up to me, a precious young man. He's in our student ministries. He said, Pastor, i got to tell you a story. I said, okay. He said, I was in a car accident just a couple of months ago, and I've been hurting terribly in my shoulders. And he said, I've developed just these knots up under my shoulder blades, and they've been so painful, I've hurt for two months, and you can just feel those knots up in there. And he said, I went up today and I asked the deacons to pray for me. And they prayed and asked God to heal me. And he said, then the deacon said, move your arm around, see how it feels. And he said, I moved my arm around and there was no pain. And I felt around back there, hear me. He said, those knots were gone. He said, they left my body right now. He stood right here and told me that. And before I preached this message, we checked with him again. Maybe that's lack of faith, I don't know. But I wanted to make sure... Before I told you, he said, my pain is still gone and those knots are still gone. God healed a young man, teenager, right here last Sunday. If you come to tell me God doesn't heal, you're too late. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. God wants to set us free from sickness in all kinds of ways. He will set us free. Surely, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Now he moves on, the psalmist does, to two beautiful pictures of who we are in Christ. Beautiful pictures that are very, very contrasting. They're, they're opposites. He says this, first of all, it says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Did you know God had feathers? No, God is not a bird. This is a beautiful metaphor. It's a metaphor of baby chicks or even baby eagles coming. I like eagles better. I, I want to think of myself as an eagle more than I do a chicken. So we're going to make it baby eaglets. We can do that. Baby birds, understand. Baby birds who come under their mother's wings for protection. So first of all, the psalmist pictures us who walk in Christ as little baby birds. That doesn't sound very manly. I don't know that makes me really happy as a man to be considered a baby bird. But the psalmist then goes to a whole other picture. 
He said, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. We go from baby birds to fully armed warriors on the battlefield. I mean, uh, it's going to hurt my neck we turn that corner so fast. Baby birds, sweet little baby birds, just going beep, 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 beep under mama's wing. To shield and buckler, body armor, on the battlefield. I love it. Because in truth, we are both of those things in Christ. In truth, we have to be both of those things in Christ. If we're going to be fully in Christ. Walking in Him means sometimes being a baby bird who runs under Him for shelter. Walking with Him also means stepping out into a battlefield where you get shot out all the time and you need a shield and you need body armor on you to keep you safe. First of all, He says this, He'll cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. Nothing could be more vulnerable in my mind than a baby bird. Innocent, defenseless, needing help, needing shelter, needing somewhere to run. Did you know even Jesus used this metaphor when he spoke over Jerusalem? In Matthew 23, 37, he said this, Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. You were not willing, Jerusalem, to run to me for refuge. We have a problem sometimes with our own pride. We have a problem sometimes admitting that we need help. I find that guys tend to struggle with this problem a lot because we have this pressure on us to always be tough and to always appear invulnerable and to never let them see you sweat, certainly never let them see you cry. We got to be tough, we got to be independent, we got to be self reliant. And I like all of those things. But there's times you've just got to admit you need some help, there's times you've got to make yourself vulnerable. There's times you've just got to run up under Jesus Christ and say, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. I can't do this. I can't make it. Peter's out of the boat and he's walking on water. And he's walking to Jesus. And as amazing as that is, you won't talk about a man's man. Peter was. He cut off a guy's ear one time. I love that. I love it, I do. I, I mean, he was wrong, but give me some grace here. People say, why his ear? He was trying to cut off his head. The guy ducked. He's tough. He's a man's man. I mean, he's in there right before the crucifixion cussing. I'm not approving of that. I'm just saying he did. He ran his mouth all the time. Jesus had to rebuke the devil out of him. But he's out walking on water. Even Peter got his eyes on the storm and he started to sink. And you know what he said? He said, Lord, save me. Because he knew when you're walking with Jesus, he's going to put you in some spots that only he can help you. 
He called, he's out walking on water. He's living in the supernatural. This journey with Jesus is not about just coming to church. You're now walking in the supernatural. You're doing things nobody else can do. You've stepped not only out on a limb, you've stepped off the limb. And in that situation, when you start to sink, there is no natural remedy. You're in a storm. You can't swim back to the boat, and you're not yet close to Jesus. Peter said, Lord, save me. Folks, there's times we've just got to run and say, Lord, save me. Guys, let me tell you, you can be weak sometimes. Just be sure you say, Lord, save me. You can be the baby chick that runs over under for refuge. The thing that will stop you from that is just being like Jerusalem, not being willing to run to him for help. Sometimes we just got to humble ourselves. And I'm preaching to me this morning. Sometimes we just got to say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, save me. And if you're in a position right now and you feel like you're sinking, I want to urge you to cry out to the Lord in your heart. Lord, save me. And the beautiful thing about it, Jesus reached out his hand and he grabbed Peter and he upheld him. And they walked back into the boat with the rest of the disciples. What you imagine those other guys were doing? <gasps> what just happened here? <laughs> Lord, save me. So he's a baby chick. Now let's move on to the mighty warrior. And I love what it says. His truth will be your shield and buckler. In what does truth mean? That's a, great that's a great question for our culture. What does truth mean? Well, there, let me just tell you, there is truth and there is error. Hear me today, not trying to be ugly with anybody. There are things that are true and there are things that are false. And that's just the way it works. People talk about truth in all kinds of crazy ways today. They say, well, that's your truth and this is my truth. You know, all the time. I was really taught differently from this, and I was taught that there simply is truth, and it exists independent of what I think about it. There are things that are just true, and, and I don't want to be ugly, but, but truth isn't worried about your feelings. Don't get too excited now. Some of you are ready to shout, okay, um, I understand. You can feel a certain way about things, but there's just truth and there's error. It's not about your truth and about my truth. It's about his truth. Because his truth is truth, right? So, and we don't get to shape that. We don't get to change it. We don't get to mess around with facts. Two and two equals four. Even if you don't like that. Can I get an amen? All right. I feel like I could get a shout of amen, and I'm holding you back just a little bit because we want to be nice. We want to be Christ-like, right? Truth is truth. What does it mean, though, when it says his truth? It's much deeper than just facts. There are facts that are true that, that are just true. This is talking, the scholars believe what this is really saying. When it says his truth, it's talking about the entire character of God and all the promises he has made. His promises, his character, and his word will be your shield and your buckler. Did you hear that today? The character of God. Now, now, first of all, it says it shall be your shield. A shield is what stands between you and the enemy. A shield is something you can hold up to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which Paul said, with which you will be able... There's no maybes here. With the shield of faith, you will be able to quench every dart the enemy throws at you. Amen. 
Bible says His truth, His character, His promises shield you from anything the enemy can throw at you. You're not defenseless. You have a shield to pick up. Paul tells us we have to take it up. Paul tells us we have to hold it up. When you're in battle and you're getting shot at, and if you walk for Jesus and live for Jesus, you're going to be in some battles. You're not on a cruise ship, you're on a battleship. And shots will be fired. We've got to be courageous. We've got to be bold. We've got to be above getting offended. Can I get an amen? We've got to be above getting our feelings hurt. We've got to be soldiers for Jesus Christ. Run up under him as a baby chick, but with his covering, you come out as a mighty warrior. His truth will be your shield. Then it says his truth will be your buckler. You know what a buckler is? It's simply something, it's armor that is, it's, it means two different things. It can be armor that's wrapped around your arms and legs and your body. It's like a suit of armor. It can also be used, that same word, for a fortress that a bunch of soldiers gather in. I like to think of it as body armor. I'm covered. I've got the shield of faith that I hold up that fights for me. I've got the helmet of salvation. I've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I've got my feet covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've got the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. The belt of truth. And they fight for me. They come in between me and my enemies. How do you defeat a lie? Truth. I'm going to throw this at you. The primary way the devil fights you is through lies. That is his biggest weapon is to lie to you. And to get in your head with something that's not true. That's why his truth quenches the lie of the devil. devil wants to lie to you. And he wants to get you lying about yourself. I heard somebody say recently, and this has nothing to do with this message, but maybe it does. Maybe this is just a word in season for somebody. I heard somebody say recently, I'm just accident prone. Don't say that. What's happened is you had a couple accidents. You twisted your ankle. You fell down. The enemy now wants you to make that a part of your identity. Boy, that's a huge deal in our culture now. My struggle becomes my identity. No way. Jesus is my identity. I am who I am in him, through him, and because of him. So if you have said, I, I felt this. If you have said, I'm accident prone, I want you to say with me right now, I repent. Come on now. I repent of saying I'm accident prone. What, I, what we're doing right here is saving you from accidents. Because the more you say I'm accident prone, the more accidents you're going to have. Because when you accept a lie of the enemy over your identity, you're going to walk in it. Let's go back to repenting. I repent. I am not accident prone. I'm covered with the truth of God. His shield. He's my buckler. He fights for me. He keeps me safe. Amen. Some of you just got set free. You're not going to twist your ankle this afternoon. You're welcome. You're welcome. 
God's truth is powerful. Last thing, and I'm already over time. One of the great tactics of battle is called cover and move. It's a battlefield strategy. means that if you've got a buddy, and it requires teamwork, if you've got a buddy and you're pinned down by enemy fire, your enemy can, in, in order to advance on the enemy, you lay down a covering of fire. One does while the other moves in. You've seen this in westerns, right? Anybody remember Marshall Dillon and Festus? None of the young people know these wonderful classics. Let me just tell you, if you ever watch the news and you get down on culture, watch about two episodes of Gunsmoke, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. I realize I just offended 15 people, but it's okay. Marshall Dillon, oh, yeah. Marshall Dillon and Festus, if you're, if you're old, it's Chester. But uh, uh, sorry, I'm giving my age away. One of them will look to the other and say, cover me. And he'll start shooting at the enemy till this one can move in position. I thought this is so good for this scripture because what it says is, I have cover anytime I stay on the battlefield. Some of you walking into battles right now, what you need to say is, Jesus, cover me. And this psalm promises that he does. You're under cover right now in Jesus Christ. You're safe right now in Jesus Christ to walk through every battle you've got to face. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that we truly are undercover as we walk with you and live with you. And I ask you today, drive home the truth of your word to our hearts today, to everyone that needs it in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, who here today would say, no embarrassment, no shame. We're not going to embarrass anyone, but you're here and you would say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning. I'm inviting him to be my Savior, my God, my Lord, my strength today. Can I see your hand right now? Would you raise it up where I can see it? Anybody this morning? Anybody here this morning? Anybody? Praise God. God is so good. How many could say, I need cover? How many say, I'm saying, Lord, cover me. Cover me, Lord. Cover me as I walk through this battle. God bless you. He's got you this morning. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, and I ask you this morning, wrap us in your arms. May we rest in your deliverance and in your truth that will fight for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you ready to be blessed? Preview of next week. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Only with your eyes you'll look and see the reward of the wicked. It won't come near you in Jesus' name. You're blessed today. Amen. I commission you go out, make Jesus known in your world. Amen. Amen. Make sure and pick up your Survive the Blizzard t-shirts on your way out today. Be careful. Love y'all. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.